And from Boise, Idaho and Idaho Education News, it's Extra Credit, our weekly podcast looking at all things education and politics. My name is Kevin Richard. And my name is Clark Corbin. And every week around here is Education Week, but this week it was Education Week at the legislature, and that means a lot of budget presentations focused on education. And that means Sherry Ibarra had a big day before JFAC on Thursday. Clark, you led our coverage. Walk through some of the numbers. Yeah, this was probably the most closely watched presentation of the year outside of the governor's state of the state address. We had people arriving in this committee hearing at 7 a.m., a full hour before the superintendent uh, presented her budget. Because the seats were long gone by the time I... So, packed house, hottest ticket in the state house. Uh, but what Superintendent Ibarra did is she spent almost an hour walking lawmakers through her budget request. She, as expected, as we reported late last year, is asking for a 7.5% increase and the K-12 public education budget for next year, that's about a $110 million increase over this current year. And the one thing that I noticed about this presentation was how poised and how confident the superintendent seemed, and that's sort of in stark contrast to last year when she was flashback, had been in office for about 20 days, essentially presented a budget developed by her predecessor, Tom Luna, and it was a little light on details, and lawmakers uh, pressed her for more details. They didn't appear very happy with the presentation. Mm-hmm. They looked frustrated. They looked really frustrated and wanting more details. Absolutely. This year, a, a whole different story. Uh, she walked through all of her line items individually. She had presentations and charts and numbers. And universally, uh, from what I heard, it, it was well-received uh, by several senators on the mm-hmm. JFAC committee, took time out to praise her publicly. Uh, education leaders from the School Boards Association, School Administrators Association, even the Idaho Education Association said that her top two priorities, which were continuing to increase teacher pay under the career ladder approved last year, and to reverse those recessionary cuts and get per classroom spending levels back to 2009 levels, education leaders said those priorities aligned with their priorities, and they were very happy uh, with this presentation. What I know you had a chance to do a little of analysis and, and talk to some folks, uh, but now that this plan's on the table, what does this mean and where do we go from here, Kevin? Well, I guess what I wonder about now, I mean, she did get high marks. I mean, she did her homework and it showed, and I think legislators, uh, that was not lost on members of the budget committee. Now we'll see how that plays out in terms of policy, because the one policy, and I focused on it in my story this week, is this uh, rural initiative of hers. She wants to set up rural school centers around the state. This is, and what's interesting about it to me is that this is one proposal that's really Sherry Ibarra's. It's not coming out of the task force from 2013. So it's it's her initiative. If she wants this, she's going to have to uh, advocate and get it through the budget committee and then get it through the legislature. So we'll see. She didn't hurt herself at all on Thursday. I think she probably... Uh, helped her cause just because the presentation went smoothly. Now it's a matter of getting votes and, and getting money when there are a lot of education initiatives vying for money. Absolutely. I mean, that'll be interesting to watch where we go from here. I mean, the one thing I do want to point out, last year she said she is taking ownership of this budget and her presentation. She met with education groups and 
she followed through on on what she said she was going to do. But I want to move on. It was Education Week. We had a ton to talk about and to cover all week. Earlier in the week, we got a little bit more information, and you had a chance to drill down into some of these lower graduation rates, specifically the virtual charter schools. What did you find out, yeah. Kevin? So, so Education Week kind of started with a bit of a blockbuster. Uh, Don Soltman, the president of the State Board of Education, started with a presentation and he laid out some numbers about the graduation rates, the high school graduation rates. Now, we reported first back in December that Idaho's graduation rate, 77.3% in 2014, ranks 41st in the nation. So we knew that. But what we found out this week was that the state board crunched the numbers further. They found out that some of the numbers are really low in the virtual charter schools. They're down at 20%. And the alternative schools are at 36%. And what, uh, what Sultman was saying in his, uh, in his presentation was that this is kind of the root cause of what's going on with the lower rates. Um, the virtual charter folks and the charter advocates were not happy. They uh, issued statements saying, well, wait, there's a lot more going on here. Uh, the virtual charter advocates were saying, you know, a lot of our students are coming behind on credits. They're at-risk students as well, kind of like a lot of the students in the alternative schools. So... Really kind of an interesting back and forth. And I find myself stepping back from what we heard this week. And I've got a lot of coverage of it on our site, uh, on idahoednews.org. To me, this points to a bigger debate that I think we're going to see a lot more of here in the next few months. You know, we have always been kind of laboring under this conventional wisdom that, okay, public schools in Idaho may have a lot of problems, but the graduation rate isn't one of them. We've always said that the graduation rate was high. Well, now we've seen new numbers. And now that we're comparing our numbers to uh, states and we have an apples-to-apples -apples comparison, the numbers are not very encouraging. So I think you're going to see a lot more of this, where there are going to be a lot of questions asked about well, what's the cause of these low graduation rates, what are the potential solutions, how do we get, uh, get these numbers up. So you're going to see hard questions, and sometimes that results in some hard feelings. That's what I think we saw this week. Yeah, good, good information, Kevin. Be sure to check out the site and see uh, your reporting uh, on that. Now, now talk uh, on another topic that's getting a lot of buzz and a lot of attention. You were in House Education this week when a constitutional amendment surfaced uh, regarding the Blaine Amendment, which is kind of a term of art that very few people know about. But talk about the Blaine Amendment, talk about Ron Nate's proposal, bring us up to speed. Yeah, so early in the week we had uh, Rexburg Republican Representative Ron Nate, not a member of the House Education Committee, but he went before the House Education Committee, and he's asking for a constitutional amendment in Idaho regarding this Blaine Amendment. That was kind of a new term for a lot of folks, and this gets confusing, so hopefully I won't lose anybody. The Blaine Amendment isn't even an amendment to Idaho's Constitution. It's an actual part of our Constitution, and what it does is it prohibits the legislature and essentially public agencies, local governments, from giving money directly to church-run, church-sponsored schools. And so Representative Nate went before House Ed and he said he has a concern that there will be future legal challenges to students who take a, a state-funded scholarship, it's the Idaho Opportunity Scholarship, mm -hmm. and their ability to use it at a church-run school such as Northwest Nazarene University or BYU-Idaho, where Representative where he, Nate where he works. teaches. And so he said, okay, I'm concerned that there will be challenges to these students being able to use these scholarships. It doesn't appear that there have been any of these challenges so far. And interestingly, uh, Representative Rubel, a Boise Democrat on the committee, immediately sort of challenged Representative Nate and said, is this a precursor 
to instituting a statewide voucher system in Idaho where taxpayer dollars would be used to pay tuition at parochial schools. And he sort of said, I don't know what the future holds for vouchers in the state of Idaho, but if this passes, at least we have clarity. The one thing I do want to point out, this is just a joint resolution, and the the bar is high for amending the state constitution. Two-thirds majority vote of each chamber of the legislature, then a majority of Idahoans would have to vote in favor of it. Election coming up. But a lot of people are talking about this. I've seen polls online about this and, and a lot of communication about it. Representative Nate went back to me and said, I want to emphasize I'm not trying to give money directly to church-run schools. I want to protect a parent and a student's ability to receive a scholarship and take it to the school of their choice. This hasn't come back for a full hearing, uh, but we'll be on the lookout if it does reemerge in house education. And the important thing going forward, as you kind of alluded to, two-thirds support in both houses, that is a very high hurdle. We have not done any nose counting. It's really early in the process. But you don't have much of a margin for error to get a constitutional amendment through, especially something that is going to be controversial, that's going to have blowback. We've already seen some of that in committee. So there's a long way to go before this even gets onto the ballot, and then it would have to be ratified by voters. So long, long winding road. That's if leadership and committee chairman allow this thing to even be heard in a big-time election year. Exactly. But I want to move on. There was so much more we covered this week. Kevin, you took a, a closer look at the broadband situation and found that there's still ongoing court battles, ongoing fights over legal fees. Catch us up with the latest. Mm-hmm. Well, so what we've got so far this session, uh, the, the legislature is going to have to decide whether to put another $229,000 into legal fees to continue this lawsuit. The lawsuit is going on, even though the... the The contract was thrown out in district court. Now we're in appeal at the state Supreme Court. So what I wanted to do, knowing that we've got this budget bill on the horizon, I wanted to go in and look and see what's going on in the case in court. So 450 pages of legal briefs later, uh, what I came up with was a story that we posted on Monday. We are talking about tens of millions of dollars at stake here. The state believes that if they lose again in Supreme Court, as they did in district court, they could have to either give back or write off about $25 million of money that they've gotten through the FCC. Now, Syringa Networks, this is the, the vendor that sued successfully to get the law, uh, get the contract thrown out in district court, they're saying the state has to go back to the vendors and get money back. Not may go back, has to go back. And if you do that, you're talking about maybe about $30 million that the vendors uh, would have to cough up. So we're talking about huge sums of money. And that, you know, those are huge sums of money, and then we're not even talking about the legal fees. There's a fight over who's going to wind up paying legal fees. There's a lot of back and forth going on in court. That's why we're still in court money, and lots of money. And we'll keep an eye on this uh, case. Oral arguments are scheduled February 17th. I'll, I'll be there, and we'll, uh, we'll keep tabs. Still not out of the woods yet. I'm glad that you're keeping track on this. No, and, and, and that's the thing, is that, you know, Nobody wants to go back to the Idaho Education Network. There isn't anybody in the state house talking about, hey, let's try to do a statewide broadband system just like the old one. No one wants to go there. But we're still embroiled in this lawsuit with, with huge, huge sums of money at stake. All right. I want to step back. Uh, we've been pretty serious so far in our podcast. I want to have a little fun. Kevin, did you hear anything this week that could rise to perhaps quote of the week material that we could share with our listeners today? Well, I think the bill of the week, and we'll get. To, you know, I've got a quote of the week candidate too, but All the right. bill of the week, and we've heard this one before, it's the Orofino Maniacs license plate. Uh, Paul Shepard, a Republican from Riggins, he's tried this before. What he wants to do is get a specialty license plate 
that would allow supporters of the Orofino High School Maniacs, that is their nickname, as folks up there are well aware, uh, you could buy a Maniacs license plate. Uh, this didn't get out of committee last year. I don't know what the prospects are again this year. Legislators have kind of a love-hate relationship. I was going to say, these specialty license plates, we see them every year, and they're one of the, perhaps for statehouse outsiders, surprisingly controversial. There's even been legislation in the past to place a moratorium on new specialty license plate proposals. And so this is certainly an unexpectedly controversial thing. Representative Shepard tried it last year, didn't get anywhere, back again with a new bill. Uh, so we'll see how this plays out. And, and the maniac mania aside here, <laughs> yeah. you know, this, this is a novel approach. I mean, I believe, to my knowledge, this is the first time any uh, education foundation has tried to go this route with a novelty plate, with a specialty plate. So it, it is new ground. It's made all the more uh, eye-catching because of the nickname. But yeah, if this were to ever get through the legislature, you can bank on the idea that other high schools and other school districts would say, hey, wait a minute, what about us? What about our plate? So we'll see. I, I don't see this uh, necessarily going very far because it didn't go very far last year, but we'll keep an eye on it. <laughs> we'll watch and see if this does open the floodgates. All right, let's nominate a quote of the week, if you would. Quote of the week. Okay, so um, Mike Moyle, who is one of the legislature's uh, top tax hawks, and majority leader, majority leader, and, and one of the more quotable guys in the state house floated a bill on Tuesday. And what this would do is it would lower the high end income tax rates, and it would also extend the grocery tax credit uh, for folks who don't qualify for the uh, the reduction in income taxes. He was taking a lot of questioning from Democrats on the committee about how is this going to affect education funding. He also got questioning from Matt Erpelding, a Democrat from Boise, saying, "Well." What about people who are on food stamps? I mean, they don't even get the grocery tax credit, so this is, isn't going to do them any good. And Moyle's quip was, well, pe people in prison don't get the uh, grocery tax <laughs> credit either. So um, we will see uh, what uh, what comes up on Monday. Uh, the, the bill comes back before House Revenue and Taxation, an encore of sorts. But this is the full committee hearing, so there will be more testimony, probably testimony for and against it. Uh, we'll be there. Uh, it's the first big tax bill of the session, so it does obviously get it get conflated with the whole debate over education funding. So that's where we'll be Monday morning. And yeah. Monday afternoon is a big day as well. Yeah, I was going to say, we may have Education Week behind us, but it's not going to slow down any at the State House. Uh, give us a real quick preview of some of the stories you can expect to see at Idaho Ed News next week. Well, I, I, we're going to have Sherry Ibarra on, Tuesday, on Monday afternoon, and she's going to be speaking to kind of a rare... House uh, Senate Education Committee meeting. Um, you've got a sense that maybe what she'll be talking about is uh, uh, the SAT. Yeah, on, on Friday, uh, Superintendent Ybarra gave a presentation about the SBAC test, and she was given some questions from lawmakers about, you know, hey, is there an ability potentially for the SAT uh, to lighten the burden on some of the testing and maybe replace the SBAC test or maybe have one less required test? And she asked lawmakers not to steal her thunder, to wait and see on Monday. So we may get a closer look at the future of testing and the role that the SAT plays. Uh, in Idaho, this is a big deal. We don't see joint sessions of the two education committees very often, so we'll be covering... Um, that closely on Monday. And it feels a little bit, like, little bit like the committee action is starting to pick up. We'll be in House and Senate education committees all week, and we will have the latest and everything coming up in education and politics. Follow us daily at IdahoEdNews.org. 
And join us again next Friday for another edition of Extra Credit. Until then, I'm Kevin. And I'm Clark. Thanks so much for listening. <laughs>